Thanks for tuning in to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that you're blessed and encouraged to walk out the gospel as you listen to this message. Turn to somebody and say, you're looking good. Come on, look him right in the eyes. Tell him, you're looking good. Some of you are like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. You know, I don't know what it is. There's something about this day that I just feel like we need to lift up a shout of victory and a shout of praise. Can we do it together? Come on. Come on, just lift up your praise to God. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Man, I love that he says I'm bringing fire. I'd like to bring something other than fire all the time. Uh, And I believe God's given me a word. But man, I want to welcome you all uh, to hope today. Um, all of you who are visiting, like Chris said, man, we're so glad you're here. All of you in the Family Center. For those of you who don't know, we actually have another service that's going on right now down the hall in our Family Center with live worship, and, and then they, they, bring the, they stream the, the message in there. And so let's give our Family Center uh, a hand today and welcome them. Yeah. Everybody online, we want to welcome you. You know, I never take for granted... Um, this this moment that we have every week where we can join together and worship Jesus together. You know, there's millions of people around the world that don't have that privilege. And we have that privilege. We can shout, we can dance, we can be loud when other people have to love Jesus in secret because of the oppression that's on them. And today is a day that we get to celebrate. It's a day for celebration. So it is with great joy that we get to declare to, 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 together today that Jesus is alive. He is alive. We celebrate resurrection, not just today. We actually celebrate resurrection every single day. It's, it's actually, as we're in him, it is an everyday expression. It's a whole new way of living. It's not just an event. It's a whole new way of life. And we're here today, and we have hope today, because the tomb is empty, and Jesus is alive. Yes, it's the good news of the gospel. So we're going to focus, I'm going to just share a message about resurrection, but without the cross and without his death, there would be no resurrection. And so um, I love Romans 5.8. It says this, that God showed us his love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That while we were in sin, while we were actually against him, The Bible says, while we were his enemies, while we were in messed up dark places, Jesus died for us. That means that before we ever did a thing right, he chose us. He chose us when we were a mess. Have you ever been a mess? Can I I see the hands? Anybody been a mess? How many are a mess right now? Okay. For you too. He chose us. He chose us. And in our mess and in our sin... He willingly laid down his life, and he endured the pain. And the pain wasn't just physical, you guys. We often think of the physical pain because that was so evident, but the pain was emotional. The pain that he endured was mental. It was spiritual. It was ultimate humiliation. It was ultimate aloneness. One commentator that I read described the pain that Jesus experienced as that it was so beyond words to describe that they actually had to invent a new word to describe it. And that word was excruciating. Excruciating. It's a direct reference to the cross. Jesus, the incarnation, he was God in the flesh. He was the word made flesh. 
He was that we could say the enfleshment of God, God with flesh, came to save us from death. And rather than death for us, he chooses death for himself. Somebody said when we see Jesus dead on the cross, we discover a God who would rather die than kill his enemies. How many are thankful for that today? He'd rather die than for even his enemies to die. Romans 5.8 says that while we were his enemies, he reconciled us through the death of Jesus. The cross is what God in Jesus endured as he forgives and he reconciles us to him. And I say all of that, and some of you are probably like, yeah, 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 we know the story. But guys, we can never let this become so familiar that it doesn't continue to transform us. This love transforms. It's not an idea. It's not a preacher with a microphone just talking about it. It's an actual living, breathing love that changes everything about how we live. Everything. This isn't about religion. It's about radical love. And he did it all for us. It's a radical love that the world can't give and the world doesn't understand and the world can't take it away either. Because he gave everything. His love, his sacrifice, it breaks through every single wall and every single dividing line that man has ever made. He did it for you. He did it for your children. He did it for your children's children. He did it for your best friend and he did it for your enemy. Turn to somebody and say, he did it for your enemy. He did it for your enemy. It was for every Democrat. It's for every Republican. That kind of makes it a little more clear, doesn't it? It was for everyone. He came to break down every stinking wall that we built up between one another. Every dividing line that we say, you're that and I'm this and over there and over here. He breaks it all down in the cross and he makes us new. Now the fire's coming. You might be here in the building today, or you might be watching online, and you might be living far from God, but I want to tell you today that God is not far from you. He is not far from you. He gave literally every single thing because he loves you and he wants you. He desires you. He's not looking for religion. He's looking for closeness with you. I love what Hebrews 12.2 says, It says this, Jesus, his example is this, that because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and he conquered its humiliation and now he sits exalted at the right hand of God. This is why he did it. He endured what he endured because he was focused on, get it, the joy of knowing that you would be his. You would be his. He suffered it all because he didn't want separation and he didn't want distance. He wanted you and he wanted all of you to be his. He didn't die for us just to compartmentalize and give him little parts of us. He died for the whole thing. He died for the entirety of who we are. He took the worst things that, that we've ever done. He took the, the most awful and awful things you've ever said, the most awful things you've ever done in your life, and he cried out, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. And it was literally nailed to the cross. There has never been a person that has ever lived 
so right and so perfectly and then was treated so horribly as Jesus. And our sin did this to him. And that's why today we don't pretend to be without sin. That's why in Jesus we actually don't go on sinning. Thank you for that amen down there. We turn to him in our places of weakness and we say, Jesus, I need you. And we plead his blood to cover us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness because the cost of his blood is far too great to continue in lifestyles of sin. He bore the curse so that the power of the curse would be broken. Sin and death would be broken. And he went through excruciating pain so we could be free and live free. Don't let anybody ever tell you that you can't live wholly free. Don't let anybody tell you by their experience of not being able to that you can't live free. I want to tell you today, it's what he paid for. He paid for your freedom in every way. Come on. Dead to sin. Alive to God in Christ Jesus. That's who we are in him. In Matthew chapter 27, after Jesus had been on the cross for about six hours, experiencing what we've just talked about, the most unimaginable pain. It says that he cried out. And he cried out these words. He cried out, it is finished. It could also be translated, it is accomplished. It is completed. The work that he did on the earth that he was sent to do was completed in this moment on the cross. This word finished means literally what you would write on a bill that you received when it had been settled and the stamp would be paid in full. How many like to see that on your bills? How many have ever spent too much and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to pay this? How many would love to see a stamp come and say paid in full? That's what this is. All that you owed that you would never be able to pay He absorbed it all, and he forgave it all. Your past, your sin, your pain, your sickness, your insecurity, come on. Your anxiety, your addictions, the things that would try and torment you, he paid for it all in full, forgiven. Man, I believe, you know, when you believe that you're forgiven, you'll actually live like you're forgiven, See, here's the thing. If we believe what I'm saying right now, it changes how we actually live. And actually, I think every one of us would jump up and start doing a little happy dance right now. Because it's the truth. It's not just words. It's a reality of him in us. Think about this. When God created the world, at the end of the sixth day of creation in Genesis, Genesis, it says he, he finished his work. And he rested then on the seventh day, the Saturday. We could say that was like yesterday. He rested. Now you think about what we're talking about with Jesus. Now now Jesus on Friday, Good Friday, the sixth day of the week, Jesus has completed his work of redeeming the world on the cross. And he cries out, it is finished. And he breathes his last breath. He's finished the work that the Father had sent him to do. That's why we call it the finished work of the cross. He finished it. If you have your Bibles, you can open them to Matthew 27. 
We're going to be there and we're going to be in John. Matthew 27, verse 51. I want to read here the account. How many believe it's important to read the testimonies of what Jesus has done? I think, you know, there's lots of things we could say on Easter, but there's a part of me that says we got to go back and remember the story. We got to remember the testimony of what he did. And here in verse 51, it says this. Let's read it. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. This is just after he said, it is finished. The tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who'd fallen asleep were raised up. And they were coming out of the tombs after his resurrection. They went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place. It says they were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the Son of God. How many say this was pretty wild experience? It's pretty, pretty wild. So when Jesus takes his last breath, the curtain rips in half. The earthquake happens. The tombs open up. Dead people are resurrected and they're coming out of their graves. Did these sleeping bodies wake up at the death of Jesus and wait till Easter morning to go into the city? We actually don't know exactly about that, but it certainly is a hint of what is going to come at the end of all things, at the final resurrection. And what we do know, get this, is from this moment forward, you never know what God's life-giving resurrection power will do. That God is making all things new. And the death of Jesus is the critical event with which it can now move forward. Are you following with me? Hang with me. I love what N.T. Wright says. He's New Testament theologian. He says this. He said, he could not establish the new creation without allowing the poison in the old to have its full effect. This is what's happened. His body's taken wrapped in linen, laid in a tomb, and it's sealed. And now it's Saturday, the seventh day, and there is quiet and there is rest. And Mary Magdalene and, and the other Mary, it says, they were, they were there sitting opposite the tomb watching. They were grieving. They were, they were just mourning. And the officials and the guards make sure that the tomb is protected because they don't want... Jesus' body being stolen. And in Matthew 28, it says, On the third day, which is the first day of the week. How many are thankful for the third day? It says, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, I love that the men tremble and fall, but the women stand firm. Come on, ladies. <laughs> women power. Don't, don't take that and make a meme out of it or something. <clears throat> but the angel said to the woman, 
Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified and is not here, for he has risen. For he has risen. And what we see throughout Scripture, all throughout Scripture, is that angels show up where there are significant moments of great purpose. The God who was quiet, who was silent on Friday and Saturday, is now having the last word on Sunday. And I'd like to suggest that he will continue to have the last word. That he will have the last word. No matter what is going on in the earth right now, he will have the last word. So the stone is rolled away, not to let Jesus out, because Jesus, we'll find here in a little bit, can actually walk through walls now in his resurrected state. But they, the angel rolls the stone away because he wants people to be able to look and see inside the tomb that the tomb is empty. And what's so powerful to me as, I, as I'm in this story and it comes alive to me, you guys, is that Mary Magdalene, who is, who's perhaps the most marginal of any follower of Jesus, is the foremost resurrection witness. That she's the only person to appear in all four gospel accounts of the resurrection. And that before she met Jesus... She was filled with demonic influence, it says. She has seven demons possessed her, but then she was set free. (laughs) She was at the cross. She's at the tomb. And now she's here as a witness of resurrection. I think of what Jesus said when he said, those who've been forgiven much love much. And that, that, that lady had been set free from so much. She'd been set free from so much torment. And guess where she was? She was there the whole time watching and waiting. Let's jump over to John's account here in John chapter 20. Are you with me, you guys? It's going to get better. Verse 1 says, On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. And she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they've laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going towards the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter. And reach the tomb first. I've shared this before, but every time I read this, it cracks me up. I don't know why. Just the Bible has funny places in it. The fact that that John, you know, just constantly refers to himself in the third person is the one that Jesus loves. (laughs) It'd be like me walking around being like, you know, the pastor of Hope Church is the one that Jesus loves. Man, it's wild. And it's also like he's, you know, he's trying to be humble by not mentioning his own name. Right? And in the telling of the greatest story that has ever been told, he doesn't want us to miss the fact that he beat Pete to the tomb. (laughs) Right? It's like, (laughs) here we're talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And these like, these little bits of things are so important to him. Man. So they see the empty tomb, right? They go in, they look around, but then they go back to their homes and they hide because they're afraid. So they hide. But verse 11 says, but Mary, Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. 
She didn't run and hide. She stood there and wept. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain. One one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, they've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they've laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus says to her, woman, why are you weeping? Who are you seeking? Supposing him, get this, to be the gardener. She said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I'll take him away. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. Calls her by her name, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. She must have embraced him in that moment in her surprise because Jesus says to her, do not cling to me, right? For I've not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. So Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them what he'd said. Sandy Patty starts singing right there. I've just seen Jesus. It's amazing. Somebody say that's so wrong over here. So think about this. When when Jesus appears to Mary, she sees him but did not realize that it was him. She sees him, but she doesn't realize that it's him. His resurrected body was the body he'd had before, yet it had been wholly perfected and transformed. Think about this. Mary, in her narrative in her mind that Jesus is dead and gone, because of that narrative that she has in her mind, she's looking right at him, but she can't see him. I wonder for us sometimes if because of narratives that we have in our minds about Jesus that we can't see him right where we are. When he's actually right there. In whatever moment that we might find ourselves in. And whatever Mary's idea was of Jesus at that moment, the person standing there did not fit it. And I think that as we look through Scripture, all through the Bible, this is a central message in Scripture, is that God never fits human earthly conceptions of what he should be. The truth is we don't find God. God finds us. How many are thankful for that? He finds us. He calls her name Mary. And when she hears her name, her eyes are opened The truth is salvation is never our attainment or our doing. He comes to us and wakes us out of our sleep. 
It's his grace and it's his gift and it's personal and it's intimate when he calls our name. He calls our name. I just feel like today all over the room, maybe some of you don't even know why you're here today. Maybe somebody drug you here. Maybe you felt pressure to come. I want to tell you today, Jesus is calling your name. He's calling your name. He often appears to us in our lives differently than he did the last time. Have you ever experienced this? Sometimes we try and put Jesus in a form or a box, like this is how he, I see him and this is how I encounter him. And Jesus is like, no, we're not doing that again. Because he won't be put into a box like that. Why? Because he wants us to learn to recognize his voice and his presence. He wants us to learn to recognize his voice and his presence. And so that in the midst of whatever dark place we're in, in whatever moment we find ourselves in the world, that we can find him because he's found us and we can see because we're aware of his voice and we're aware of his presence. We were made for this. And he tells her not to cling to him. You think about this, she's, she probably held on to him for dear life, you know, squeezed him to death. Which is not surprising since she'd been freed from so much and was experiencing such grief that in this moment she just can't help herself. But I love what Tim Keller says. He says that what Jesus is saying here could be paraphrased something like this. He says, the way that you knew me is not the way that you're going to know me. It's going to be better, Mary. I'm going to send to my father and I'm going to send a spirit. Not only you, Mary, but the whole world's going to be able to have personal intimacy with me. That through the spirit, I'm going to be able to come to you and to commune with you and have my presence in you. So you can't cling to me in the same way you've done before, but it's going to be better than when I physically walked among you. Have you guys ever thought, oh, if I could have just walked with Jesus, if I could have just sat around the table with him, if I could have just been one of the guys that walked and, and lived with all, all the, the years that he was on the earth, if I could have just been there, I want to tell you, we have something better. We've been given something better because what he's given to us through his spirit is even better. It's his constant presence and fellowship. That's why a religion doesn't work. It's a constant fellowship with him that he paid for and he longs for and that's ours. It's his promise that I will be with you no matter where you are or what you're experiencing. I want to be so in you that we're in a place of communion together and you hear my voice and you know my presence regardless of the circumstances. So you think about this. Mary Magdalene's the first one to see and to speak with the resurrected Savior of the world. She's the first eyewitness to the most important event in history. We could say she becomes the first apostle. What's an apostle? A sent one. She's sent to the other apostles. She's the first person to be sent on a mission by the resurrected Christ. Does that not hit you? It hits me. He sent her. Go tell the brothers. And you think about this, how God chose a different Mary a virgin, a teenage girl that he would come into the world through. 
that would hold her, hold him as a baby. And now he chooses a different Mary, one who'd once been possessed by demons, a woman who'd been tormented and afflicted in every way and then set free. And she's the one chosen now to be the one that he reveals himself to first. She's the one that we could say holds him now first in his resurrected state. Hear me on this. Don't ever believe that your past defines your future. The power of the resurrection literally changes everything. In him, you are not what you were. And we're seeing this as God's new world is breaking out here on resurrection day. This is the beginning of the new creation. Saved, delivered, healed, transformed, and sent to tell others about him. The resurrection of Jesus changes everything for everyone who believes. And the resurrection isn't just an event. The resurrection is a person. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. And he chooses to reveal himself to the least likely. And guys, he chooses to use the least likely. And when he calls your name, everything in your life changes. Resurrection changes everything. Everything, in every way, in the best ways possible. The next verse, verse 19, it says, On the evening of that day, the first day, he's emphasizing this, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, it says, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace. Be with you. It's the second time. I think sometimes it's easy to miss the bigger picture of what's happening in the resurrection in this moment. And we need that bigger picture, okay? So I want us just to come up here for a minute as we look at this. John is letting us in on something really, really important because it's the second time that he said it. He said it's the first day of the week. And what he's saying is, hear this, guys, if you hear anything, the old is over. The new's begun. The old is over. The new has begun. And now Mary finds the tomb empty on the first day. Why? Because this is the first day of God's new world. This is the first day of God's new creation springing forth. Jesus was buried in a garden. A a garden is a place to cultivate and grow things. I was thinking about what we talked about last week. Unless a seed falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone, Jesus said. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus was a holy seed sown in a garden. Easter Sunday, Jesus, the garden brought forth its first fruits of resurrection in him. The first seed raised by God in the garden of resurrection became the gardener. Are you following with me? Remember, Mary mistook Jesus for the gardener? Guys, I think she was actually right. Jesus is now... Think about this, the gardener of the new creation and the king of the world. 
The first Adam was a gardener who failed. But the second Adam, Jesus, has succeeded and will succeed. He is and he will restore the ruined garden. God's new creation is springing up and hope is alive because he is alive and he's making all things new right now. Guys, this is the greatest hope there is. In the midst of all that's going on in the world, this is the truth. In the midst of all the things that rage around us, this is the truth. Hope is alive because he is alive and he is making all things new. He is making all things new. Easter is about more than making it to heaven when we die. Whenever we do that, we reduce it to something that it is way beyond. Easter is about releasing heaven on earth while we live now, here and now. And when we really believe this, you guys, it changes everything. It changes the why to why we live. Because I'm not just trying to get through my life and I'm not just trying to survive my life, but now I'm alive for his life to live through me and new creation springs forth from everything that I do. It changes our outlook on the world, changes our outlook on on people in the world all around me. It changes my outlook on the future. It actually changes my view of eschatology. Because instead of darkness, I see the light of God breaking in. Instead of horrible, I see the Son of God, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ breaking in right now, making all things new. It's been said like this, the cross is is the wood between the worlds. The old world and the new world. The old creation, the new creation. And now we're not trying to escape earth. We're joining him and bringing heaven to earth. On earth as it is in heaven. Until he returns and fully makes all things new. It's not going to fully happen until he comes. But I tell you what church. We are those that get to join him in what he's doing right now. This is I believe what Easter is really all about. I love dressing up. I love candy. I love to steal my kids' candy. Don't tell them. Resurrection isn't about just a good or a happy ending to a terrible death. Resurrection demonstrated that Jesus' execution dealt the death blow to the evil forces that stood in the way of God's new creation coming, and now absolutely nothing can stop it from breaking forth. Somebody ought to shout. That was weak. (laughs) I'm trusting the Spirit of God is doing this. I can't convince anybody of anything, but I believe this so much that when this lights up in our heart, guys, we're going to change the world. He's going to change the world through us. It's not going to be our own power. It's going to be his power in us, but it's going to change because we're going to see everything differently. Sometimes we're looking at everything with such drudgery, and I tell you what, God's light is breaking in. It broke in, and if we'll wake up to this, we will be able to walk in this. Jesus appears to his disciples then while they're hiding, and he shows them his hands, he shows them his side. And in verse 21, I'm going to close with this. Charity, you can come. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Because they're freaked out. Because their world 
feels like it's fallen apart. Nothing happened as they expected. And they're freaking out, and Jesus says, peace. Peace be with you. And he says this most remarkable thing. He says, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he said this, it says he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. This is quite possibly the most significant missional passage in all of Scripture. All four Gospels, they close with Jesus calling his followers to go. All four of them in different ways to go. And what we see here, guys, hear me on this, and I'm going to close in a second. What John is insisting is that Easter, that resurrection, is the beginning of new creation, and there is work for us to do. There is work for us to do. That as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. The way he sent me, I'm sending you. So Jesus doesn't just give us new life in the sense of salvation and eternity with him. He gives us new life because he wants to continue making everything new with us and through us. So that means tomorrow when you wake up, wherever it is that God has you in life, you get to bring him there. You get to see the release of new creation there because you're there and he's in you. And it'll look like really significant big things and it'll look like small things. Sometimes it's just sitting around a table with your family and bringing the heart of God to your family. Sometimes it's at your work. Sometimes it's wherever you are. Sometimes it's going to look like, man, somebody gets healed. Somebody gets set free because you laid your hands on them. Sometimes it's going to look like big things, but a lot of times it's going to look like just a word or a thing that you said that actually brought life and brought Jesus to the people that you interact with. This is what he's saying. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And what he has now done in us, he wants to do through the church. The resurrection power of Jesus lives in you, and it wants to flow out. It's what we were singing about a little bit ago, to make all things new. Guys, I want to tell you, he wants to make things new in relationships. He wants to make things new in marriages. He wants to make things new in society. I believe he wants to make things new in government. I believe that he wants to make things new in our city in all kinds of ways. He wants to make things new and break off addiction and violence and things change because the people of God are here. Brokenness of every kind. And he wants to show up through us because the same spirit that raised him from the dead is alive in us. And now everything about our lives is to demonstrate that he lives. Come on, would you stand with me this morning? As the Father sent me, so I send you. This is your mission, should you choose to accept it. I told myself I wasn't going to do that. And then I did. And it was as cheesy as could be. 
gonna play a little video of Mission Impossible now to help you get this. Just kidding. You know, uh, I love what we do this weekend in celebrating, but Easter is not just about us dressing up and coming to this building. It's about the transforming power of Jesus Christ to make all things new and bring new life. And I was, I was remembering my mom and my biological dad. They did not know Jesus when I was born. And um, it was really a dark situation their marriage was very dark. There was abuse. There was violence. There was drugs. My biological dad actually um, spent years in prison. Just just awful, awful stuff. They divorced when I was a baby, and I never really knew him. Um, so it was just my mom and I. And uh, one day, my mom and I were driving down the car, in our, or driving down the road in this little car. We had a champ. Do you remember those? This thing was little. I thought it was awesome. It had no air conditioning. I mean, it was like the bare bones car. Driving down the road in this little champ. And my mom sees a sign on the road that says, New Life. And it's this church. It's this big church. And she says, Josh, we need a new life. she came come to the end of her rope. She knew that she couldn't go on as she was. And she pulls in right there to that parking lot of that church. She walks into the church office, goes up to the the desk of the receptionist and says, "Um, we're here because we need a new life. The lady looks at her like, my mom's like, isn't this a church? Isn't this your name? So they call the pastor of this huge church. He comes out from his office. So awesome. I I always want to go out of my office for anyone that comes because I never know when a little Josh is going to come in. And brings us back to his office and leads us to Jesus. Yeah. Not only that, he gave me a free tuition to their Christian academy there for kindergarten. And he put my mom... Um, with some women that discipled her and got her ready to be married again (laughs) and led her to Jesus and discipled her in the ways of the Lord. And I think about this moment, that that was a, a moment where the trajectory of my life changed. That, that my life could have been so many other things, but in that moment, 40 years ago, I'm 46, 40 years ago, he called my mom's name And we turned into that parking lot and we were never the same because of that moment. And I tell you, 40 years later, I have tasted and I have seen that the Lord is good. I have encountered him. He has transformed my life. I used to think I didn't have a testimony because I just, I grew up in the ways of God. But when I think back to what I could have been because of what I was born into, I realize Jesus Christ is real. This new life, this new creation is real. It's not perfect. It's difficult. There are difficult seasons, but on the inside of me, I am not the same, and I'm becoming more and more like him. I want to invite our ministry team to come down just as quick as you can, and I just want to ask in this room this morning, I just think the most wonderful thing that could ever happen today is is that somebody today would just say yes to Jesus. Can I hear an amen on that? 
And if you're here today and you'd say, Josh, I, I don't know the Lord, or maybe you've been far from the Lord. Maybe you've not been walking with the Lord. And you'd say, Josh, I, I've come today. I don't even know why I'm here, but I, 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 I want him. I, I feel him drawing me, and I want peace with God. I don't, I don't want to leave today without being forgiven. And you'd say, I want him. I want to get right with him. If you're here today and that's you, I want to ask you to do something really bold. And I want to ask you just to raise your hand right now. Church, how about you pray? Go ahead, just pray. Believers, pray. Yeah, Yeah, we're not closing our eyes today. I just believe that Jesus is calling names in this place. Just like that little Josh Thompson at six years old, you just called us that day and you gave us a whole new life. I believe that in this day, there are people in this room that Jesus wants to give you a completely new life. If you're here today and you'd say, I want a new life, just raise your hand. I want to see it. Come on. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Don't hold back. Yeah. Come on, anybody. Okay. Everybody's a believer here today. Everybody's a believer here today. Guess what, guys? You know what this means? There's work to be done. There's work to be done. There's work for me to do. There's work for you to do. As the Father sent me, I send you. Go. 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 How many want to be a part of the going? I'm serious. Raise your hand if that's you. How many want to be a part of the going? I want to be a part of that going. I'm going to have Charity just begin to sing that song, and we're just going to, we're going to sing it just for a moment, and then I'm going to open the ministry time for everyone. But go ahead, Charity. Sing this out.